0: Two, in the crime parlor with Rigor and Mortis. Oh, I can hear myself. It's doing the thing again, where it's like you don't have headphones, but I have headphones. Okay, well that's gonna be interesting. Okay. Okay.
1: Well, I'm Mortis.
0: I'm Rigor, and this Little. is a slightly less than enthusiastic episode <laughs> of In the Crime Parlor with Rigor and Mortis. And Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have reason
1: to not be enthusiastic, but I guess so do you. We've it's been,
0: for us. We record ahead of time, so this is the week before Christmas, and yeah, we've been sick. I was sick last week. I with mean, the flu. You are currently sick. It's why my voice sounds
1: so awesome.
0: You sound on my end. You sound about the same. Really? Because I feel like I sound like a whole octave lower. (laughs) Well, it's like, that's the reality of like hearing yourself recorded, right? So when I started doing voiceover, I started to hear my voice more. And what I sound like in the real world is not what I sound like to myself. And that's usually what people find in instances like that, I guess. But I meant like,
1: my voice has been off oh my god, almost a week now.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I've had this deep, deep
0: voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes, yeah, so no you would probably have been recording this with me in person because you were going to come visit, yeah. but you're sick, so I'm glad you didn't because I don't need to get sick two weeks in a row. Love you. No.
1: No, and I don't even know. I mean, I never went to the doctor because I did not have COVID, and it never got bad, so... Mm-hmm. I don't open. know what I had. Could be a cold. Could have been pneumonia.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You would know if it was pneumonia. I feel
1: like right. I'm pretty but sure. But you never know anymore. Oh, the sad. last time I went and they're like, you have a viral infection <laughs> in your like chest. And I was like,
0: fantastic. <laughs> so, uh yeah, yeah, that's true. You did get sick, sick. But you work around a lot of people. So that's I like- do do. Anyway, uh, did I tell uh, you?
1: We're totally off topic. We are Man, totally off we... topic. This
0: is more banter than we normally do, but it's all relevant. Um, did I tell you I was listening to an episode of My Favorite Murder a couple of weeks ago, and Karen and Georgia were talking about how they were like, we're just gonna start over, start a podcast where no one knows who we are, we don't tell anyone we're doing <laughs> it, and I was like listening, going. Were we ahead of the game? That's awesome. Just, just starting over. No one knows us. No one knows who we oh, are. Oh, man. By design.
1: For no one knows us. I've been giving hints reasons. to a friend.
0: Yeah. Do you think they are good? I've been giving hints to
1: friends. I don't know. I mean, there's no idea right now. But okay. I also think, like, the hints that I'm giving are hints that like I don't know how you would plug those in unless you were just like scrolling endlessly and clicking on like different podcasts to like read what the episodes are and stuff so
0: yeah I don't know if you but at the same time
1: I feel like if you probably did anything on social media like you probably could have hashtagged something I said as a hint and bam
0: so maybe I think I did (sighs) on TikTok post one of the things as a hashtag. I
1: actually don't remember, but that's fine. I've hashtagged every reveal case. Okay. I think. So,
0: anyway, I, I thought that was
1: funny because I was like, okay, hey, so yeah, back back to our theme, girl. Yes, our theme for this week is theft. <laughs> for a second, I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> you
0: just finished your research. Like
1: I know. 10 ago. I mean, but. I'm gonna blame the head. Okay, oh. it was it was definitely a little bit longer than that. I definitely took a break. And I the terrible thing that went through my head was too was I wonder if I can order a burger for takeout and get it in time. I I I, I no, I just didn't I didn't think I had time. But I've been okay. dying for a burger. And oh the burger I want, girl, is a peanut butter and jelly bacon cheddar burger.
0: <laughs> None of that. It sounds together.
1: so gross but it's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. So good. So good. And they don't have that order where I want to order but they have like most of that. I would just have to like find my own grape jelly somewhere. Hmm. So I'm not the only crazy person who thought that was a good combination because they have it on their menu. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm going to pass on that one though that's not appealing <laughs> to me. But that is what it is. Um, so... For those of you joining us for the first time, the general idea is every episode, at the end of the episode, we spin the wheel of doom and we get a topic for the next episode that we both cover. In addition to that, every episode we also have a special drink that you can partake in prior to the, um, you can make it, but drink responsibly. You can make it and enjoy it with the episode. There's usually a theme that goes along with it. And did Or it links to a case. Or it links to a case. Um, the last one we did was um, one that linked to my case, and I can't remember what the name of the drink was, but it, it was to an the,
1: orange blossom. The
0: orange blossom. It linked to the Fatty Arbuckle Scandal, which was last episode. Yes. Um, and this but, one links to mine. Nice. So since uh, the drink links to your story, do you want to talk about the drink? I can talk about the drink. I'm sorry, you will have to so, put down your knitting for this portion. I've, I'm almost,
1: I'm almost finished with this row. <laughs> okay, I'm so close. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, our drink, and I had to look up what some of this stuff was, girl, because I like didn't know. <laughs> um. Really good. So we, okay. I, I'm assuming this is the recipe that y'all you found too. Uh, the tequila honeybee and it's from liquor.com. So the ingredients, which is this is what I had to look up because mezcal did you know what that was? I had no idea what that was.
0: No, but I'm not. So so this
1: recipe, self. so this recipe has you basically rinse your glass with this mezcal which coats the inside layer. Girl, it's tequila. You like coat your glass with tequila really fast before you put all the drink in it. So it was kind of neat. (laughs) So, um, but it has this, you, you, like I said, you rinse with this mezcal. I'm probably saying that wrong. (laughs) And then, um, the rest of the ingredients are tequila, honey syrup, lemon juice, um, bitters, and you can garnish with a lemon peel. So, Ooh. I quite honestly, that like sounds like something I'd probably, I'd probably, de- I would probably drink that. I like tequila. I like tequila. I don't
0: tequila know how tequila. you feel about it. Unfortunately, tequila and I get along way too well, so I have to. Uh, right. it. oh, In so moderation, good. otherwise, that, things get inappropriate.
1: That was my uh, f- first legal drink.
0: Was tequila? It was
1: tequila? I took tequila shots with my dad. I think he'd. I think he'd been waiting some years for that one.
0: Oh, you and I had well,
1: very different. I didn't have a great twenty-first because my birthday was during a, a break in college, mm. and That's and because right. it's close to a close to a holiday. Se- uh, holiday. <laughs> yeah. So since since my birthday is by a holiday, you know, I vote. got I got to party. <laughs> I got to party with my dad. <laughs> okay. So we, we got to move on to my, my theft crimes. Yes. Um, so I guess, I guess I would start with the first one that I really wanted to do. Um, I, I'm just on a weird little kick right now. And I was like, Oh, I should like Google uh, uh, crimes of theft and hockey. Right. Cause you like, hockey. and what I like hockey. And what came up, girl, was pretty neat. However, it's figured this out. Something got fucked up. Okay. Who who was the problem? Mm. <laughs> oh, my voice kind of went a little weird, too. <laughs> right, so. I love my nose. <laughs> I probably need some honey. I have some honey. But I don't, to- have any local, I don't have any local honey right now. So Really? Yeah, it's a problem.
0: When I worked at Van Gogh, they sold like exclusive honey in the in the store, like local what honey, mean, and it was like twenty five dollars.
1: No. A local exclusive honey.
0: It was a local honey. It wasn't exclusive. They just worked oh. with this local company and charged like three hundred percent the value of it.
1: Holy shit! Yeah. Now, I only I I, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I apparently had a sleep in my blanket, <laughs> and it was like to... someone was- someone was touching me. <laughs> oh my god. Last night at 2am, stuff started rolling off of- it sounded- I thought it was- it was probably ghosts.
0: Well, your house is haunted. We did discover that on your cameras.
1: I'm pretty sure it's haunted. So. Yeah.
0: Considering it's- a, the 1st you're the first person living in it, so the land must be haunted. Uh,
1: probably. Probably. Um,
0: but yeah, didn't, weren't you, it was the, the one over your refrigerator. You could see this. Yeah, thing.
1: right? Yeah, it was weird. Anyway.
0: Okay. But
1: yeah, no, last night at 2am, things started rolling off the side table.
0: And nothing to do with and your cats?
1: No, I, my, I keep my bedroom door closed because I can't sleep with my cats. They're terrible. They're terrible. <laughs> they just keep me, they just keep me up all night. The Cassie, Cassie just literally licks my face the whole night. <laughs> And then Andy's like, hold up, I can't get close enough to your head. Let me just
0: Smother you weasel in my sleep. on in
1: here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then and then it's like, at like 3 a.m., it's like, let's party and run. Like, let's let's get all of our, our little heebie-jeebies out and run everywhere. And, you know, they could run downstairs. But instead they run on my bed.
0: Why are you being like a ghost? Because I wanted to blow it out, but I also wanted to freak you out
1: okay obviously so now that i've gone off topic uh, all right
0: okay so, so your topic m-
1: well my topic was
0: theft you're <laughs> specific don't make me come okay. in there and smack the shit of you because i will i will find you and i'll smack you you're punchy okay
1: so I, I obviously it's honey, but I wanted to do hockey, <laughs> and when I looked up theft crimes hockey, uh, actually it's something really I had no idea about, and I was like, oh, this looks really neat. However, there's a Netflix series that like goes over this, okay, and apparently it's a pretty good episode. Um, so it's called Crimes and Penalties, which I also thought was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the name of the episode the uh the series is called untold um and it actually has to do with um a uhl team uhl yeah i was right there called the danbury thrashers which is a connecticut team and the mob okay Right? So I'm like, I think I just need to watch this episode. I'm not going to cover it. That's I think I, I want to watch this episode. It. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, hopefully we'll it's s- still on Netflix. It should be. It we should set like up like, it was... a
0: watch party because I want to see it.
1: I oh, am. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was, I think it was a year old was the article.
0: Okay. Is that? Open one Clicked. of your 17 yes. tabs. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. It was bad, girl. And I'm still not, I, 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 I I'm that person. So I, I, know I have a lot of people in my life that like, like, like one tab open. I am like a solid most, and I have multiple windows too. It's not just one window. <laughs> I think most of them have at least 10 tabs. Some of them are upwards of like 20. I think the one I hit like 30 or 40 girl, that's impressive. I'm bad. <laughs> I mean, I probably have like over a hundred and some on my phone within.
0: I can't do that.
1: I'm that person that doesn't I can't close it until I'm done with it and it's and the terrible thing is so many times I've closed like our drink (laughs) recipes Mm -hmm. and I'm like done and then I can't ever find them again. Yeah
0: no I get that. And when
1: I need them to like write out the recipe I'm like oh no. So I don't close things anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean I So I used to be that way. I used to not close anything and be like, okay, I need this for later. And what I discovered is I would never close anything. And then, like, my ADHD would just be spiraling out of control. But I learned if I screenshot something, I'll be able to find it later. Now I just have a plethora of screenshots I never revisit again anyway. But it helps.
1: I mean, yeah, I don't know. I used to do that, too. I don't know if that was helpful because then I'd have to be like, well, let me try to Google this. And then you can't find it that way either. Yeah. So I'm fine with my 17,000 tabs open because I think that's the person I am. So. Should happen. Okay. okay. So, so my real, my real one though has to do with honey. And I thought this was super interesting. I've always been into like, and quite honestly, as I was searching, like I feel like I've heard about all of these different food ones, but I hadn't heard about this honey. It's not really honey,
0: it was bees.
1: <laughs> so, um but I mean, have you heard of like the cheese trucks gone missing?
0: No. No. Not even <laughs> <I'm>, I li- <laughs> so these are me. there. What the fuck? Oh, there's lots of. There's going. lots. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by the food things, and I'm like, food? Yeah, no, I get it. And are there that many food? No, like that thefts?
1: food thefts? Yes, girl. Yes, like, okay, probably not, but like, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, probably not.
1: <laughs> but like, I'm talking like major thefts, like, like, it, I think it was like almost a million dollars of cheese. Jesus Christ! Like, or chocolate, chocolate too. Oh man! I also came across the Great Beanie baby, baby heist. I couldn't. It was okay. So one of the other ones that came up was the Nutella and Kinder chocolate egg heist.
0: Okay, first of all, you skim over baby heist. Either the babies are heisting or <laughs> no, the no, no, no. It was a babies. beanie. It was it was beanie babies. Beanie you baby missed the, heist. You missed the beanies. I missed the beanie. Yeah. I just heard baby heist, and I was like the great the great beanie baby heist. I mean, babies are little thieves. They have little hands. I mean, my sister was a kid, and she accidentally stole a candy bar on purpose. Yeah. Uh, more hit.
1: recently there was a black truffle heist. Girl, I'm like I don't know how you know the Wisconsin cheese heist? Like how do you not know any of these? These are like I love these. I'm I don't fascinated know like the years. By
0: this. I know <laughs> uh, there will be Googling, <laughs> Googling will be had after this. I think Continue. a lot of
1: I've, a lot of those were more recent too, I think. Like like the last like 8 years, 10 years. So Anyways, <laughs> and, and like, I, it's like I'm, significant qualities because because when you also quality, steal that quantities. much, like quantities,
0: got it. <laughs> I, like, I mean, fancy black truffles are fancy; they are of quality. I mean, yeah, 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 but but, um,
1: but like, how do you get rid of that much cheese? You know,
0: so cheese <laughs> and that much. My chocolate. mind is really blown. I I don't think I've ever heard of a food theft, At so, least not but, that like <laughs> it okay. stayed in my it's, mind. It's just, it's just me. Okay. <laughs> you are the problem. Um, it's you. <laughs> I, it
1: is. But, but well, and and the funny thing is with a lot of these, not necessarily my case, because my case is a little bit different. It's not necessarily food, but, um, it is, <laughs> uh, it, it's all related to food. Um, But with these two, the, the people who end up stealing these trucks of food and usually it's trucks, um, can't find people to sell large amounts to. So they usually don't make a ton of money. I mean, they, they, you know, they make some, but like not, not like as much as they stolen in product. So
0: interesting.
1: But anyways, (laughs) back to my case. I there's a lot of tangents. I thought this was going to be a really short episode. It's
0: not going to be. Maybe Between maybe our technical not technical because I'll in this. It's not going to be a short episode.
1: Because I'm going on all these different tangents about food. Oh. That burger. <laughs> um so anyways, my sources <laughs> are theguardian.com. <Ooh. laughs> NPR and NBC News. So, if you haven't got what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the beehive heist. Beehive heist? Beehive heist. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. Beehives are going missing. Um, and This actually started uh, probably a half dozen years ago. I love how I threw
0: that one in. <laughs> Half a dozen. You couldn't sure. just say six years <laughs> six ago? <years> ago. <laughs> got you, you gotta be cryptic.
1: I don't. I'm
0: literally like, yeah,
1: that, that's the word you need to use.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. You're doing Guys, great. Oh, You're doing wonderful. I'm not even on medicine. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> probably need to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so. Um, a lot of these articles were from 2017, kind of during the summer. However, my most the most recent one, I can't remember which one it was, was um from 2020. So it is it's still prevalent. It's still a problem, guys. So um, so I, I was talking about food. Um California, uh, if you did not know, is has a huge almond crop. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sure you've heard they it, it takes a lot of money to grow almonds like water wise and apparently bee wise so um billions of bees are needed to pollinate for the almonds so they don't have enough bees that live in california to do this so they need to bring in over two million beehives for a short time in february when the trees start to blossom in order for us to be able to have to harvest almonds so um about two-thirds of the nation's commercially managed honeybees are sent on trucks to this um, area in california from places all over like colorado arizona and montana Um, and unlike native wild bees like bumblebees and uh, honeybees are carefully marshaled in hives and are now more valuable as pollinators than as honey producers. So, fun fun little fact. Um, however, um, I don't know if you knew this too. Our bee population um, is struggling. So, be kind to bees. So, my my story and it's kind of a few different ones together to kind of bring apart this. It's not a single case. So, and I'm going to butcher all these names. I can't even take a guess at some of these names, girl, and I'm sorry. So Max Nicolay Shuck.
0: Call him Max. I could call him Max. Call him Max. Um, <laughs> spell his last name though. He,
1: Oh, gosh. N-I-K-O-L-A-Y-C-H-U-K. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, like, okay with that, but we're going to call him Max. So he would uh, rent out his bees to um, Almond Orchards. And in 2017, a thief stole four stacks of his hives. Um, and he made the claim that the person who stole his hives, stole the bees, um, went through all of the bee colonies that he had and only had taken the good bees. So obviously the thief knew a little bit about bees. Um, and he continued to go on and say, um, that like most, um, bee yards, I guess is what you call them. Apiaries? There's, apiaries. I don't know. He also called them a bee yard. Oh, I don't know what the difference is. Is there a difference? No, I don't know. I didn't look f- that far into this, girl. Um, so he he had said there's no security, like no cameras, normally no fences and things like this. Um and he's unfortunately had his bees stolen quite a few times. So that was just, like, one little bit. Another one, uh, another apiarist, api beekeeper, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was Lloyd Cunniff. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Um, so Lloyd Cunniff um, had been bringing in his bees from um, Montana, I believe um and he had brought over 488 beehives in january of 2017 um and apparently they had a very distinctive pine and cedar box like like hive was created um and he put them down in a remote area uh, near a levee um and then (laughs) then Sorry. We're like on a singing kick tonight, too, guys. This is great. Um, but when he returned the next day, there was some heavy fog and he went back to find them with a hired hired help. Um, and as they were using the GPS, he, when they were getting to the area, he was like, there's, there's no way this is the area um, because there weren't any bees. And unfortunately all of his hives, his boxes were gone. Um, and so it cost him about a hundred thousand dollars in pollination fees. So that that's how much he was getting paid for his bees, right? Just, just to bring them down to California. Um, and he estimated his total losses of more than $400,000. Um, so so what what goes on there there's many thefts over uh 2017 i've got some numbers kind of a little bit later um but shortly after these thefts um they found um in fresno county basically a beehive chop shop to quote as everyone's been saying it a chop shop um and they found all of these different bee boxes and they were just so many different kinds of boxes and the boxes that they were like finding and kind of piecing back together were none of them were stolen from fresno county um however they belonged to beekeepers as we said from around the country because they were bringing in their bees to pollinate the the almond trees. Um, so they kind of. Uh, uh, sorry, my eyes itchy. <laughs> um. So apparently, bees kind of go missing. Bee boxes go missing all the time, every year. However, this was like the greatest bee heist. <clears throat> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrible to laugh because... It is. It's, so, it's tragic, <laughs> it's actually. so bad. All these bees. Um. So they kind of believe that a lot of this, um, and especially, as I said earlier, um, with kind of Was it kind of? Mm-hmm. Um The one that... No, it was the other one that they went through and handpicked. Max. Like the boxes. Max's, yes. Uh, so... They they were thinking that it was definitely someone within the bee community, and and there is kind of like a beekeeper code that says like you don't mess with someone else's bees. <laughs> so, I I did enjoy that little quote <laughs> in one of these articles. Um, Real quick, so that what that's the quote for the drink. <laughs> um. Okay. So. So. Um police ended up kind of, they had a suspect. I don't, it, I couldn't really figure out how they found this suspect. Um, however, there was a little bit of, uh, one of the articles had, had this, um, I guess like the accomplice. accomplice. Oh my goodness. The accomplice, um, was the person who kind of led them possibly to their suspect. Um, um, so as mentioned in January of 2017, hundreds of hives disappeared in Cedar County. Um, and I do believe part of Cundiff's was possibly like with that. Um, so police in March, um, had a case brought against Pavel Tervernid. Nope. Ter. Nope. Spell it. I'm not... T-V-E-R-E-T-I-N-O-V. One more time. (laughs) T-V-E-R-E-T-I-N-O-V. The
0: Retinoff?
1: Retinoff.
0: No. (laughs) Just call him Pavel.
1: (laughs) It's Pavel. Oh, my gosh.
0: Retinoff. Retinoff.
1: Retinoff? So is the T silent? I think so. Like Tchaikovsky. Okay. Oh, yeah, you you are right there. Okay. Um, so, apparently, he became a suspect after he brought in a beekeeper from Missouri. Um, and this beekeeper uh, noticed that some of the beekeeping equipment, as, as well as these boxes and, like, the thing... The the equipment, I guess, uh, was marked with... Um, some identifiers that look like they possibly belong to some of his friends and that that his friends obviously like a lot of uh these beekeepers were sending their bees to california um so he actually contacted his friends um because he just kind of noticed that like like i said that he thought some of those were his but he was also noticing that some things did not look right Um, so the police, I guess, were then called, um, and they found this field, uh, they did not even want to exit their cars because apparently the bees were, um, so aggressive. Um, but they had noticed a lot of the beehives, the boxes were torn. Um, and this is the chop shop field, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so, and because this is so prevalent, of these beehives being stolen um there's actually specific detectives that deal with architectural architectural agricultural crimes (laughs) very different Mm -hmm. um so what they when they noticed this chop shop um they were noticing that none of the boxes were really matching and it was like really untidy and like I said, some of these boxes were broken open. Hives were, um, kind of being split and things like that. Um, and, and if you didn't know, um, be the bees, they do kind of beekeepers will sometimes split their hives, um, in order to kind of grow because, um, over winter and things like that, um, there are diseases and things like mites that, um, Will kind of attack the hive. Um, so in order to hopefully grow their population, they split them. However, this field was just left in disarray. Um, so they estimate, the police estimated that there was over two hundred or two thousand five hundred hives that belonged to a variety of different owners. Um, and then that's when they arrested Pavel um, that he was the person that was hacking up the hives and try to sell them, uh, to the needy growers because obviously all the hives were being stolen. So these, uh, orchard owners still needed to have things pollinated. So, um, bouncing kind of back, um, the beekeeper who reached out to his friends, they hopped on a plane, the friends, and came to, fresno where they definitely identified um their stolen property and um apparently there was two other areas within fresno area um that were being used to store the stolen property these hives and other um equipments so um unfortunately uh as i mentioned earlier um Conniff Uh, his bees, his hives, um, were lost and they were found, um, at one of these fields. So, um, Pavel was apparently arrested on April 28th, 2017. Um, however, and I don't, and I I could not really find, um, if he was officially charged, and at the time of this article in 2017, they were thinking that they were not pursuing additional charges, um, because it was possibly going to be going federal. So, um, up and I, and I mentioned that he had, um, an accompli- accomplice, I don't think it was the beekeeper he brought in that wasn't like super clear in any of them. However, um, his accomplice was Vitaly Yuroshenko. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Vitaly. I don't know. It's not my
0: normal, it's not the normal spelling. Vitaly is the, is a, is a name. So, I mean, that sounds consistent across the board.
1: So, um, But apparently, there had been many documented um, bee heists, um, and over a million dollars at that time, I guess in 2017, um, was kind of lost. So, um, kind of picking up in January 2020, uh, unfortunately, even though. these two were charged possibly or looking or they were at, and they were apparently when they were first like being charged, it was, um, they were looking at possibly 10 years. So like I said, I don't quite know if that went through. Um, but in 2020, in January, 2020, um, Mike Potts, who was the owner of Potsy's pollination in Oregon, um, Loaded up 400 of his hives on trucks and drove them down into California. Um, he unloaded them into a holding area and returned a few days later to find 92 hives were gone, um, which was about apparently $44,000. Um, police kind of pulled over some suspicious beekeepers traveling late at night but they weren't finding any of these hives um that pots had had um so apparently these heists are obviously done in the dead of night but they are using forklifts and trucks um and then during these i guess kidnappings these thefts um tens of thousands of bees uh will die so um, apparently in 2016 uh, is when these beehive heists kind of exploded um, with 1695 hives being taken and then apparently in the year before there was only 101 so in 2015 only 101 Um, and then in 2017 it was, the figure was, uh, 1,000, um, and 48 hives. Wow. Um, however, um, and, and like I said, we, we know the, how much, mu- like how costly it is to, um, harvest and produce, uh, almonds, but the pollination uh, like the, I guess the cost of a hive has also drastically shot up. Um, so a few years ago, a cost of a hive to pollinate would be about $35. And I guess when this article was, um, written in 2020, um, it was sitting around the cost of $200. So just a hive. So obviously, um, the pollination fees are mighty high here. Um, so they're definitely looking, they're thinking that, um, a lot of these thefts are, they hate to say like within the community, but it's, it's hard for, um, just a normal person to go in and, um, steal just hundreds of, uh, hives overnight. So, um, apparently, and the article says, um, that when the two, uh, Pavel and Vitaly, uh, were arrested that a bunch of victims who had, had their bees, uh, stolen kind of, um, were then reporting and things like that. Um, so yeah, apparently, um the thefts kind of like the the, what am I trying to say my goodness the thefts kind of the numbers dropped um after those two were arrested back in 2017 however um because obviously the demand is still there it's it's it it, these thefts are occurring more and more so that's my case We
0: have heist Wow, <laughs> I'm still reeling from the fact that there are that many food heists. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, what the <laughs> So, no, that's good. Um, so on that note, I, I wanted to also mention that there are a couple of, well, there are numerous uh, organizations, but uh, I wanted to pull up a couple. Um, if you are concerned about the honeybee situation, because honeybees are disappearing, yes. um, you, can, um, you can donate to the Bee Conservancy. It was established in 2009 in response to the bee crisis. And then also visit uh, projecthoneybees.com. Uh, they focus on educating about sustainable pollination practices. So I highly recommend both of those, and we'll link them in the show notes. Um, so you can go visit those pages and honeybees, bees, um, honeybees are the world's biggest pollinators and, uh, without them, you know, agricultural, uh, institutions are, are not going to do well. Um, but also, uh, fun fact, bats are also considered pollinators because oh. they fly distances, that's nice. um, and birds obviously, but like I used thought bats it was cool. Um, yeah, so that's pretty good. Well, so I I remember hearing about like the Great Molasses Flood, but that was somewhat different. It wasn't a heist by any means. It was an oopsie with a lot of molasses and a bunch of people died. Um, but yeah, so like food heists, uh, I I I think in my mind I knew they existed, but I didn't think they were that prevalent. That there's a whole genre of heist. Uh, I mean, could you just imagine like Fast and Furious, where they're like just stealing food trucks? <laughs> Have you seen that movie recently, or at least gone uh, back to see what they've stolen? DVD players no. and and fat screen, fat back TVs,
1: Uh-oh.
0: fat back TVs, <laughs> not even flat I mean, screens.
1: Obviously, cheese, black truffles, and bees are <laughs> where it's at.
0: <laughs> Clearly, um, Fast and the Furious: The Great Bee Heist. Okay. So, my topic is actually the Manhattan Savings Institution Robbery of 1878.
1: Oh, I saw that one when I was like, oh, what should I do? Yeah. That one popped up and I was like, eh. I'll pass that's
0: right
1: <laughs> so I'm glad you did it yeah because obviously I was in food
0: you were on the food you were in it the wasn't the food. it wasn't food <laughs> um so I uh, my sources are the village preservation villagepreservation.org uh, crimereads.com and wikipedia.com um, on the morning of October 27th in 1878. Thomas Burns was called to a robbery at the Manhattan Savings Institution located on the corner of Bleecker Street and Broadway in the 15th Precinct in New York. The bank, you would, you, you might know where this is, I don't know. The bank had until then been viewed as a fortress with a maze of bolts, locks, and thick steel doors that opened to a steel vault with a separate safe within. In addition to holding millions in cash and securities, the bank was a repository for money, jewelry, and other valuables of some of New York's most prominent citizens, including Andrew Carnegie, John D. Rockefeller, and Jay Gould. Uh, just as astonishing was the reported haul of nearly $3 million in, security and ca- in securities and cash in the equivalent of $70 million, which is the, sorry, which is the equivalent of $70 million in 2021 dollars. It was and remains the greatest bank robbery in the city's history, according to the New York Times, and the most audacious. Uh, it was conducted during daylight, and in the in the months that followed, it was referred to in the headlines as the Great Bank Robbery. Um, Burns arrived on the scene around 11 o'clock with his boss, police inspector George Walling, and Burns became uh, in charge. He was he took charge of the investigation, and the first witness that they questioned was the bank's janitor, fifty-year-old uh, Louis Wreckle, W R E C L. I, I, I misspelled it. And Wreckle, Um The Times described him as quote a little old man of no physical strength and apparently less courage, <laughs> which is a little rough.
1: I'm sorry, that's great. It's, I want to be described like that. That's pretty
0: brutal. <laughs> Reckl, who is a German immigrant, had worked at the bank for 20 years. Uh, just before 10 in the morning that morning, Reckl burst into the barber shop in the bank's basement and shouted that the bank had been robbed. Uh, the barber ran to the police headquarters on Mulberry Street and reported the crime.
1: Okay, so hold up. Yeah. There's a barber shop in this bank.
0: Yes, so banks... Back then, were not what they are now, which is an, an Obviously, an they, entirely we don't have barbers enclosed, now. <laughs> we do have barbers now. I mean, not in banks. <laughs> not in banks, no. But, like, they weren't necessarily the same kinds of institutions. Picture, like, in the what, the Wild West, there were just rooms with safes in them. They weren't necessarily any okay. more secure than, like, me putting a safe in my apartment. Like,
1: Okay, okay.
0: So like this, this place was different, but it was still not the, it was not encompassing of the entire building. Okay. Okay. I mean, Reckle, Reckle lived in the building. I'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, Yeah. So janitor Reckle, who lived on the second floor apartment above the bank, told Burns that just after six in the morning, a group of masked robbers in business suits entered the apartment and bound and gagged him, his sickly wife, and his feeble mother-in-law. They forced him at gunpoint to give them the combination to the bank's outer vault door, which is 3925. Just in case you want to rob the too. <laughs> and threatened to return and kill him if they gave him the wrong numbers. Then they took the keys to the bank's entrance that were lying on Reckles' table and let themselves into the lobby. Nowadays... This doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is not 25. an option uh you someone just has the keys to a bank lying on the table and it has the combination to the vault like those don't those don't the two don't really coincide like that uh four of the crooks went down to the bank and the first floor leaving three of them to watch the hostages upstairs um inside the bank the burglars opened the vault doors with a combination and confronted the steel safe Using jimmies and wedges, they ratcheted the safe door open and sledgehammered and chiseled their way into the inner compartments. After about three hours, the gang reunited in the Reckle apartment, then left the premises. They went somehow completely unnoticed, uh, even though they (laughs) were out on the street at 930 in the morning.
1: For three hours.
0: Yeah. Uh, upon inspecting the vault, the police found that the door littered uh, the floor, littered with jewelry and silver and silverware and broken tin deposit boxes. The thieves also left behind an elaborate set of the newest state-of-the-art burglar tools that cost several thousand dollars to collect. Yeah. The cops called it the cleanest job they've ever seen, with no blasting having been done. Uh, <laughs> this was clearly the work of "quote unquote" professionals. Um, Counterintuitively, the burglars had raised the shades in the bank's side windows, partially exposing themselves to view so that their guards could signal if there were any uh, patrolmen nearby. Uh, When the Reckles' milkman showed up to make his morning delivery, one of the watchmen told him not to bother because the family had gone out of town. So, who were these guys? Essentially was the question. They left no clues. Uh, Thomas Burns uh, knew that they were about six quote yeggs y e g d s or heistmen um there were only about six of them in the country capable of pulling off a theft uh this complicated and grand and he had a couple of names in mind uh the police were slow to figure out who had pulled off this feat and newspapers were running headlines like uh all all at sea and completely outwitted uh the Times thought the impunity with which the burglary was committed uh, was a disgrace to the city and a severe, pl- severe blow to the public confidence in the safety of money in banks. Bank officials were bracing for the unusual, a ransom offer for the usual, which was a ransom offer um, to trade in uh, bonds and other securities because it was risky for them to trade for cash. And it became customary for them to return the bonds in exchange for a a smaller amount of cash for their face value. Um, The robbers would give the police about 10% of the value of the loot in exchange for immunity from prosecution. Uh, Little did they know that the uh, man who would pull off this feat would become known as the king of bank robbers. And I wrote in here, insert dramatic pause. So, George Leonidas Leslie was born in 1842, two years after his parents arrived in America from England. Uh, Early into his childhood, his father moved them from their home in New York City to Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, And his father started his own brewery there, which made them a very wealthy family. Uh, Following their move to Cincinnati, Leslie began his education towards becoming an architect in local schools. Um, While in school, he came of age to be drafted into the Civil War, and Leslie's father paid around $300 so he didn't have to go. Um, And despite their family's social standing, he was criticized for not going to war and upholding his community's expectations. Probably said he had bone spurs or something like that. Uh, Sorry? Putting the criticism behind, Leslie went to get a degree in architecture and graduated from the top of his class from the University of Cincinnati. Um, after graduating, he ran his own architectural firm, and then both of his parents died in 1867, which made him sell his family home, brewery, and architectural firm, and then head to New York City. Uh, when he arrived in New York City, he was met with the repercussions of the Civil War. The city was overcrowded, the rape, crime rate was ridiculously high, and there were corrupt politicians and police Um that left the city to basically the gangs of New York. Have you ever seen that movie? Based on true story. Ah! A um, lot long after his arrival, Leslie fell into the criminal lifestyle of the gangs. Um, because of his architectural skills, he quickly went to the top of the ranks of the criminal world, and I don't know how that works. Crime and architecture are not a one-to-one trade-off of skills. They're very different. So. Is an architect different in 1870 versus now? Because, is it because he went to school and is smart? I, like, they don't really elaborate. Anyway.
1: I mean, architectures know the layouts of things.
0: Yeah, but that, like, he doesn't, they don't (laughs) elaborate as to why. In about uh, 1870, Leslie made, um, Moved to Philadelphia and made that his headquarters. And he stayed in a boarding house ran by Mary E. Coth, C-O-A-T-H. This is where it gets a little gross. There, he met 15-year-old Mary Henrietta Molly Coth, And Leslie and Molly got married after a short courtship. Which is gross. Um, oh. Following their wedding, they moved back to New York where they lived a lo- the life of a society couple. Uh thereupon, which is a word I like to use, Leslie formed his own gang of skilled bank robbers uh, early in his criminal career. Uh, the more important associates in this gang were Tom Shang Draper, Jimmy Hope, Banjo Pete Emerson, Jim Brady, Abe Coakley, John Red Leary, Worcester Sam Paris, and that's it. I don't know why it sounds like I was gonna continue. He was the last one. Sorry. (laughs) Moving on. Leslie was the mastermind of the gang. Leslie was the mastermind of the gang and it was job to research plan and plan the robberies. This is where I think the architecture comes in, but like that makes sense. But like otherwise what? Anyway, before the before every robbery he would obtain the building blueprints. Um, with his yeah. architectural <laughs> background, it allowed him to build scale models of his intended targets. Uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, it, uh, scale models. of. His, I said that part, right? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes yes, he would yes. rent a safe deposit box or open an account in a particular bank, which gave him an excuse to spend time in the building and observe the layout and operation. Other times, uh, he would get in one of his men hired as a watchman or reporter and asked them to obtain this information for him. Um, When he was certain that the robbery could be committed without him getting caught, Leslie would select his accomplices and explain to them how to execute the robbery. Sometimes he would set up a room to resemble the inside of the target so that his men could practice the robbery while Leslie watched. Hmm, Kind of interesting. Very Reminds me of um, Ocean's Eleven.
1: Yeah. I, well, I'm like sitting here, is this based off of...
0: Yeah. Maybe. Is
1: this from Could be. <laughs> the Ocean's Eleven space office?
0: Well, Ocean's Eleven is also a remake of another movie. It was basically the same thing. Yeah.
1: Right. But, but I'm, I I'm wondering though, <laughs> I, I kind of want to look it up.
0: Fair enough. Um, Leslie had models of many vaults and safes used in the United States. And before he committed a robbery, he would find out what type of vault or safe his target used. Then he would spend months figuring out how to open it without the combination. He even invented or no, he didn't invent. sorry, he did not invent this. He used a device called the little joker, which was a wire device that you would insert into the bank safe lock. Uh, in advance of the robbery and over time and extended use the locks tumblers would leave dents in the wire. And so you could essentially record what the combination was. Um, the use of this tool required. Uh, George to enter the bank at least twice prior to executing a robbery, once to place the device and the second time to retrieve it. And you could you using his architectural skills and the little Joker helped him elude the police, and so he was dubbed the King of Bank Robbers. His associates would follow his instructions and carry out the job, and his gang robbed many banks throughout the years. Uh, from the time Leslie arrived in the East in 1878, it was estimated that his gang, he and his gang were responsible for 80% of the bank robberies in America, which is a fuck ton of robberies. Uh, most of the banks were not big scores like little, like the Wellsboro Bank of Philadelphia, the Saratoga County Bank of Waterford, uh, New York, South Kensington, National Bank of Philadelphia, and the Third National Bank of Baltimore, um... There were only, these were only a few of the many banks that he and his gang robbed. But their biggest bank heist prior to the Manhattan one was the robbery of the Ocean National Bank in 1869, where they got away with about $768,879. And if you have, here's my problem. If you say about and you give an exact number. <laughs> right? That's yeah. So weird. But, But, you know,
1: maybe it's not true.
0: (laughs) But they left about $2 million on the floor of the bank. About? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) This one says approximately. Oh, okay. So it's it's a rough estimate for that one. Um, So throughout some of their marriage, uh, his wife was clueless about his criminal activity. uh, When she did find out, it didn't seem that she was really bothered by it because they were doing pretty well financially um she did not enjoy uh, and this becomes relevant uh potentially uh she did not like that he was spending a lot of large amount of time and money on other women uh and this led to a lot of problems in his marriage and later in his gang dun 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 Uh, On May 10th of 1878, Leslie met with his wife and told her that he was in discredit with his associates, um, mentioned an assassination that may occur, and gave her money. Uh, Leslie and his associates were having some problems, and the gang believed that he was not focused on his job, and he was spending too much time being a consultant for other gangs. Uh, For a price, he would travel to wherever the robbery was to take place and plan operations for other gangs. Um, and he was making decent money off of these side jobs without his gang, which caused a lot of turmoil. It took Leslie three years to plan to plan the robbery at the Manhattan Savings, um, but he did not, did not get the chance to witness the gang's success. At the end of the planning, the robbery at the end of planning the robbery in 1878, Leslie vanished, and despite his appearance, no, despite his disappearance. Uh, Leslie's Leslie's gang carried on with the robbery. Uh, With direction and planning, they got away with with about $2.5 million, which we discovered is a lot. Um, Even his wife never saw him again. Uh, Even though that was the most money they had ever stolen, Leslie's gang ran into unexpected problems. Not all of the money was cash, about 250,000 of it was negotiable bonds, 12,000 of it was cash, and the rest were registered bonds, and Leslie's gang slowly fell apart due to issues uh, dividing up the money they stole. When burglar Jimmy Dobbs, nope, his name is Johnny, when burglar Johnny Dobbs tried to cash in on those notes, he was arrested, and... Then, essentially, that led to the, rest, uh, the capture of the rest of the gang, including watchman Patrick Chauvelin, who was the inside man at the bank heist. Uh, six months after the Manhattan Savings Institution robbery, the police arrested most of the gang and brought them un- in on robbery charges. It was believed that they pocketed over about $7 million in all, and Leslie himself was never caught. Uh, there were rumors that he was being unfaithful with many women, and those women included his associate, Tom Draper's, wife. After his disappearance in May of 1878, his body was found lying in a bush at Tramps Rock on Yon- in Yonkers, New York, on June 4, 1878. There was a silver-mounted revolver and a hat lying beside his head when his body was found. There was there were bullet holes in the back of his head one by each ear and one under the right side of his nose. The police yeah. yeah the police knew that he was not murdered there because they found no blood at the scene. On June 7th of 1878 the New York Times identified the body as the man named George Howard who was one of Leslie's many aliases. Leslie's murder was never solved although there's speculation that it was related to Leslie's romantic involvement with Tom Draper's wife. Many believed that Tom Draper was the one that pulled the trigger and Leslie was buried. Nope. Pause. Many (laughs) believed that Tom Draper pulled the trigger. Yeah. Leslie was buried at Cypress Hill Cemetery in New York on June 10, 1878. The scene of the crime was raised in 1889 and replaced two years later by a new elegant eight-story building for the bank designed by Stephen D. Hatch. The brownstone, terracotta, and brick structure is trimmed in cast iron and topped with a copper-clad tower and pediment. Inside the pediment, the monogram MSI, which reminds those who live in the building's present-day lofts and those who pass by in the, of the history of the site and the one-time home of the Manhattan Savings Institution.
1: I did look it up. Ocean's Eleven is not based off that. Ocean's Eleven is based off a screen, uh, a screen. I almost said a screen print. (laughs) (laughs) Not a screen print. Uh,
0: It's the artist in you. uh,
1: uh, Right. That someone wrote, so.
0: We have the Wheel of Doom. (laughs) I almost forgot. Holy shit. All right, hold on. Let me find the Wheel of Doom.
1: How do you forget the Wheel of Doom?
0: Listen feel like I can't remember my own fucking name. true crime wheels. I, I still want that burger. <laughs> All right. So, now we we spin the wheel of doom.
1: Wheel of
0: doom. And we're going to go off of uh, that to you know, Thank you.
1: Ah! Oh <laughs> goodness.
0: Is it cult cult? Oh, I'm so no. excited. I don't know if I'm excited. Oh my god, oh, I'm so I'm excited! I am so excited, but mine's gonna be actually kind of modern. But yes, so uh, that will be our next episode. I'm excited about it. Uh, Mortis is not, so that's that's <laughs> fine. Um, anyway,
1: <laughs> anyway. I'm Mortis.
0: <laughs> I'm Rigor, and this has been. Oh wait, no, we have to do our socials. We're doing fine. Uh, make sure to follow us uh, at In the Crime Parlor on Instagram and TikTok, and email us at, crimeparlor at gmail.com And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and then also donate to some bee charities.
1: Yeah, save the bees. Save the bees. All right. Well, I'm Mortis. I'm Rigger. (laughs) And you've been listening to In In the Crime Parlor with Rigger and Mortis. We'll see you in
0: two Tuesdays. Two Tuesdays. Ta-ta.